You are listening to The Quest for 100, a discussion on everything you never knew you wanted to know. And now your hosts, Justin and Brian. Howdy, y'all. This is your host, Justin, and I am here with my partner in crime, Brian. Good day, Justin. You're listening to The Quest for 100. We're back again. You thought 20 was enough? No. We're back. We're back for more. we got to make it to 100. Yeah. At you least. Know, we're one-fifth away there, and now 21 out of 100 of the way there once we finish this, baby. So we are excited. We are ecstatic to bring you this new episode, um, this new podcast that no one is talking about. Really, no one's talking about. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I can't imagine. There might be like... I'm going to say less than 0.01% of podcast topics are on this topic. I would agree with that. Um, we are we are here to talk to you folks about AstroTurf. Or artificial grass. Or artificial grass, you Either know. Um, it's kind of like Kleenex or... Oh, yeah, that's true. That's it, a good point. It's, it's we'll get into that. But the common, you know, it, the turf, turf in general or yep. artificial grass... Um, but yeah, so we are excited to to bring this to you. Um, but we we like to uh, to start us off, and actually, Brian, why don't you kick us off? Because typically, we like to to stay accurate with our podcast. Yeah, we, so. we got a correction to make. Yeah. Please hang up and try again. Idiot. So we have a correction to make from last week, and and you were close close on on the statistic that you gave. Yeah. So last week was on boy bands, right? Yes, and you said that No Strings Attached um, had their single-day sales record broken by Adele, mm. Adele's uh, 25 album in, in particular. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was actually the U.S. week weekly sales record. Yeah, I was really close, guys. I was six days off uh, in, yeah. in total allotment, but uh, I'll still count that as a win. Yeah. Uh-huh. I, I, I got that from memory. That was pretty good. So uh, I'm I'm still proud of. Did myself. you see Did you see where Insync performed at Coachella with Ariana Grande? What? Over like the recently? The like, full group of Insync? Well, without JT. Oh, okay, that's still cool. Yeah. Huh? I, think I it was did on not Sunday. see that. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And 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 related to that too, uh, we didn't talk much about them, but um, uh, the K- one of the K-pop groups performed on SNL. On Saturday, so everybody, so, boy bands are all the rage right now, yeah, guys. Yeah, <laughs> better listen to that episode twenty of the Quest for One Hundred if yeah. you want to find out more. Uh huh. Well, let's uh let's roll into our our since last time. Yeah. So um, since last time for me, I did try a uh, frozen pizza, Detroit style frozen pizza. Yeah, we talked about that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, when our pizza episode, I'd never tried a frozen. Now, which Detroit style pizza did you get? Like what outsiders? Flavor? Yeah, do you it was remember? outsiders pulled pork. Oh, pulled that's pork. my favorite. Okay, what did you think? It was good. I I, okay. I did like it. It was okay. good. My only issue with it is that it's basically a breadstick with toppings on it. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Like, yeah. Not that I'm opposed to that because I I do love bread and and bread yeah. sticks are amazing, right. but that's essentially what I came down to the conclusion that it was a, a breadstick that they threw some barbecue yeah. pork on, on and it is 
I mean, again. But but it was a really good pizza for yeah. a frozen pizza. Right. I, I thought it was very good, and, and the the dough, um, the breadstick was actually very, <laughs> bread very nice and, yeah. and fluffy. Now, and, imagine, imagine microwaving that because we would never do that. It's a <laughs> sin. Um, but no, that is that is uh, that is one of my favorite, if not my my top favorite uh, pizza that is frozen to get at the store. Um, so I actually spent uh, my my since last time I spent the last couple days in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Um, hence my uh, howdy y'all up there up at the front. But uh, yeah, I got to visit a friend Joe, one of our listeners here, and. It was uh, it was a blast. We we kind of explored Sacramento, or sorry, Sacramento, San Antonio. Uh, we went to some brewery wineries. Um, we did some taco tasting. We did a authentic versus uh, this place called Torchies, which is mm-hmm. um, yep. yeah. I I think you know a lot of people debate this, and maybe this is something we can talk about in a later episode. But, oh, we but can do tacos. tacos. We yeah, can do tacos. I think that might be fun and fun for us because we get to eat tacos that yeah, day. Of course, yeah. So um, so yeah, we did that, and then um, we also visited Bucky's. Are you familiar, Brian, with Bucky's? No, I'm not. Not so at all. Bucky's. Um, this is a a chain that is in certainly in Texas. It might only be Texas, but um, we've talked about it for years. My buddy's been living down there for a couple years now. Um, it's it's like the greatest convenience sco- store ever created. Hmm. Um, it's like if Costco was a 7-Eleven, was a gas station kind of thing. Um, and they set, like they have a full merchandise line that people... I have a shirt. I have a koozie now I bought. Um, wow. Like it's a legit, like I, I like to say a tourist attraction. Yeah. They, they're all over Texas, but um, we we went we drove a good thirty minutes just to go see one, mm-hmm. um, and uh, they tout uh, some of the cleanest bathrooms in Texas, hmm. which is a weird thing. But all right, they have that. Yeah. So with our with our fans since last time, you know this was was technically bef- before we posted our last episode, but since we recorded last time, yeah. um, we Jenny from Germany. Jenny was our first person to share one of our Facebook uh, posts. Yeah, nice. So Jenny from Germany, she's also following us on Twitter. Oh, that well, that's great. Yeah, Jenny, welcome. Hello. Um, we're gonna get. We're gonna just call you out because we, you know, not many people do this stuff yet. Uh, aside from people we know, and and uh, you know, the, there are other listeners that we do not know, and. We're excited to grow them, so yeah. welcome, welcome to the Quest family. Well, welcome to welcome. our Quest. Yeah, we we also had uh, Trisha, Trisha, um, friend of both of you and I, and I mm-hmm. think we've mentioned maybe her before. Yeah, when we talked about going snowboarding, we went with Trisha. Uh-huh. Yeah, um, she's she's gotten back into the podcast. Yeah, so she's uh, she comments to me daily on <laughs> on where she's at and yep. what she learned and yeah and you know. Uh, I think well last night we both got a text from her saying hey uh the uh dishwasher salmon sounds <laughs> yeah. disgusting. Yep. So um we we know where she was at in yep. her podcast journey. Uh-huh. So she's a little bit behind but she'll she'll catch That's up. Okay. She she actually was like what do I do when I catch up to you guys and you guys are only <laughs> posting once a week. Yep. She's going to be like all of you folk that are just waiting 
sitting by their your phones and chairs and whatever, just waiting for the next episode to come out. Yeah, just like Game of Thrones. Just like Game of Thrones. Um, so uh, I figured, you know, we have this weird topic, you know, and I wanted to give a little bit of a backstory on why this even came up. Yeah, so so for people who don't remember Joe, uh, he he commented a couple of weeks ago and, mm-hmm. and suggested a topic, as we want all of you to suggest a topic that we will yep. break down for you. Uh, Joe suggested AstroTurf, but, but you're saying there's a backstory behind it? Yeah, so we'll have to go back in the day to kind of see this, this one. 1.21. So, yeah, so Joe recommended uh, AstroTurf, and he, he yelled it out, um, uh, or proclaimed AstroTurf, which 100%, Brian, by the way, was a joke. He did not in- actually want us to do a no. podcast on Apple. On- That's what you learned in San Antonio? He well, didn't- oh, I kind of had the feeling that that was the case. But it's interesting enough to talk about this. But the reason why he brought this up is so when we were in early middle school, um, there was a kid, and I, I won't name names. If you're listening, you'll know who you are. Um, but there was a kid that uh, I went to elementary school with, middle school, all throughout high school with, um, played baseball with him. Um, and he made it onto an episode of Trading uh, Spaces, mm, okay. um, which is where they they get an influence from or they go with another kid. It was the kid's version. So another kid will come on. Um, and they'll work with a friend and then do the um, – they, they, like, swap uh, yep. locations and then you have to design the whatever. Yep. Yeah, design the room or yeah. the bedroom or the basement or whatever it is. Um, well, one of our my buddies at the time was lucky enough to get uh, onto that show and with another person from our school. And he got um, his bedroom uh, redone and he's mm-hmm. a baseball player. So he, uh, oh, no. so the person um, did redid his room, and oh, no. he was on the show, and so you got to see his like reactions to the room. So they they basically made it into a baseball stadium, and there were some cool aspects, like they they pulled some seats from Veteran Stadium and some other stuff, but they made his bed like a baseball shape, like big circle like it just looked so gimmicky. But then the floor was astroturf, wow, and so like. When it happened, like he like reacted to like astroturf, like and so it was just a funny moment. And it's probably like you know years down the line, I'm sure the story has even changed because I haven't seen those episodes in so long. Um, but uh, but yeah, so we we just thought it was funny that he was so into baseball that he had a baseball room and he was on TV loving astroturf. Yeah. Um, and so uh, yeah, we just. We thought it was funny, and that's why he he brought it up as a as a topic suggestion. So. Well, thank you, Joe, because yeah. I I actually it it was an interesting topic. Yeah, I, it's different, and you know, for those who you know, we are not a sports podcast. We yeah. say that a lot. Right. Um, there'll be some sports talk in this episode, but it's more just how this technology, this uh, type of of field, has really changed the dynamic of sports yeah. across all sports. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it's a good time. Let's let's. Uh, so oh, go ahead. Well, do, can I do a last? Oh yeah, I, I didn't know you had one. Go ahead. I I do. <laughs> well, my, tell my, us more. <laughs> my my back in the day is is playing um, playing soccer on on astroturf, mm-hmm. 
And it was the worst experience I think I've ever – like, this was original, like, generation sure. – and we'll get into this a little bit, but this yeah. was generation one AstroTurf. Mm-hmm. And it was m- miserable for soccer. I mean, the ball bounces way too high. You slide and instant rug burn. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's basically carpet, like yeah. a hard carpet at that point. Um, but being able to, as a kid – so growing up in Pullman with Washington State University right there – so Martin Stadium was the football stadium, and on occasion we would be able to play soccer games at Martin Stadium when I was a kid, you know, like, I don't know, probably eight. Yeah. F- between six and eight. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was such a cool experience to be able to play in this big stadium, but the downside was always that you had to play on, on AstroTurf. Astro yeah. And it was miserable yeah i'd imagine you know switching on and off or, or even just trying an astroturf if you're re- used to the regular field is like yeah so different and we'll yeah. get into some of the differences too but so should we should we drop some knowledge well let's let's first get into the news there bro oh gosh man <laughs> wow is this a rookie episode the back in the day is screwed the I back know. in the day they f- <laughs> off the bat is screwing, screwing us up that's okay So in the news with some some astroturf or artificial grass, I think is really the better better term to use sure. um, because astroturf is is basically the name of one of the types. Yeah. But um, the you know we're seeing a lot of switch uh, from grass to artificial turf from sports all throughout the the country, um, and one of the more recent teams to do this was the Arizona Diamondbacks, and. One of the news pieces that I found was just from a couple of days ago because, you know, opening day for baseball was two weeks ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, a week ago, depending on, you know, whether whether you were playing home or away for your first homestand. But the uh, the Texas Rangers had to go play in Arizona. And so the, the particular story that I found was from the Rangers' perspective and having to go play on this new field. Sure. Now – the uh, Diamondbacks installed a Shaw Sports Turf BK1 turf, okay. which basically as we get into it, you'll you'll start to learn that there are different companies now that sure. are doing this. And, yeah. and you have some of the big ones like AstroTurf and FieldTurf are kind of the two bigger ones, but then you have all these other offshoots that, that obviously have their own type of product and mm-hmm. they claim various things but so they they determined that the Shaw Sports turf was was what they wanted to go with and it apparently based off of this story it looks really good yeah but it's not quite settled enough yet so okay. the the particulars the crumb rubber as as we'll learn haven't settled enough so it's it's very spongy in spots and they were saying that outfielders were actually struggling to even get footing uh, because it is so soft. And, yeah. and the ball bounces like it should on a natural field, yeah. but it's almost too soft of a field. Interesting. So, were the I wonder if the Diamondbacks, were they complaining at all, or does it seem like more the Rangers? Uh, I think – Because I'd imagine the Diamondbacks practiced on the field and got used to it. And 
a little bit. Um, they they had said there was only a total of like six games played on it before. Okay. The which is not very many for a turf field that mm-hmm. needs to kind of settle. So uh, it'll be interesting to to kind of track how this goes along throughout the year. You know, we'll, we'll when we get into the dropping the knowledge, we'll we'll talk about another Texas team that kind of started this all. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, my uh, in the news for for this topic in particular, I stumbled upon a really interesting article. So in Sacramento, there is uh, a high school called Rio Americano High School that just installed a new synthetic turf uh, field, a new uh, cork and synthetic uh, turf, and a pair of nesting shorebirds, which I think they're called kill killdeer uh, i've never heard of that type of uh bird but mm-hmm. this bird essentially has found a nest or made a nest in the uh the the end zone of the field <laughs> and i think it's for they use it mostly for lacrosse but like in like the end area and uh so they've not only made a nest but they've uh laid eggs in oh, that geez. spot and so are they this, protected bird so they're not a protected bird, but the school has made a decision to close off that area, and so they can't play. They've they've realigned games or uh, moved games around for at least 28 days, which is the estimated time for the eggs to hatch and the birds to be able to fly away. Interesting. Um, so I thought it was kind of cool that, one, the, the field itself was made of a material that is – somewhat similar um, to what they make their nests out of. Mm-hmm. And two, that the school actually raised their hand and said, hey, you know, and they, they really played a, a pretty strong stance with it. And they said, you know, no, this isn't a protected bird, but, you know, if we want to let these, like, the um, animals inhabit this area like they always have, mm-hmm. then we can't just, you know, push them out when they're trying to find a home within our area. And even though that is probably really annoying. I know that there were some players um, that were frustrated and some parents that were frustrated with it, but they're making an exception for it. And I, I, I say good for them. I think that's pretty cool. It's a minor inconvenience um, to, to move some stuff around for uh, a couple weeks. Yeah. So. Cool. Yeah. Well, let's let's, uh, let's jump right into this topic. Well, not right because we're about almost <laughs> 20 minutes in already, yeah. but whatever. <laughs> As we normally do, I'm the history guy, and Justin is the stats guy. So we'll we'll dive into a little bit of uh, artificial grass history. So it was really in the 1950s that the Ford Foundation Education Facilities Laboratory and Monsanto, and a company, a subsidiary of Monsanto called ChemStrand, teamed up because the the Ford Foundation found that inner cities. Um, the activity level of kids was really dropping because they just didn't have areas to play, you know, green spaces to go play. So in 1964, ChemStrand installed a synthetic turf called ChemGrass in Moses Brown School in Providence, Rhode Island. And that was the first large-scale installation. Okay. Before that, it had been, you know, small parks and things like that. Mm -hmm. So artificial turf really kind of took off in – in, or started to take off um, in the 1960s. We go forward one year, and so 1965, the Astrodome is built. So the Astrodome was built originally with natural grass inside. 
Interesting. Yeah. So the okay. ceiling panels were initially installed to let uh, sunlight through, but it became impossible to play any day games because you had basically all of this, you know, window. Uh, it wasn't really a window at that point. Yeah. It was a. It was a like a transparent um, uh, sheet or okay. roofing yeah. that just made it a blinding white light yeah. above fielders. So when the ball went up in the air, you could not see it. So they mm-hmm. ha- ended up having to paint over the um, these translucent paneling mm-hmm. that they had put installed. Well there was natural grass inside so that now there's no light right. and and there you know there are lighting systems that you can try to install to replicate natural light sure. but um you know they work to mix success so so all of that grass actually ended up dying not okay. not shocking yeah so for the second half of the season they were actually painting the dirt green <laughs> what to really make it, yeah to make it look that is good. spectacular yeah so um then in, in 1966, that's when, obviously, you can't plant dirt for the entire season because all the grass is done. Um, so the Astros installed this chem grass that had been installed a, uh, two years earlier at this Moses Brown school. Uh, they installed this chem grass. Initially, they could only install it in the infield because there was not enough of the product created huh. to install the whole yeah. Baseball field. Wow. So, that, yeah, that's early on then. Yeah. So so in the second half of the uh, the year, after the All-Star break, they sent the Astros, the MLB sent the Astros on an extended road trip mm-hmm. following the, the All-Star break. So then they were able to install the rest the of rest the of turf. So that's when... <laughs> I would love to play on painted... Painted dirt. Indoors, too. Yeah, like. In- I can't imagine what that would smell like, you know, yeah. just gross. The fact that they even, well, I guess I could see them painting the, like, painting a line to allocate where it is, you know, infill fly roll, all that other stuff. But, but yeah, to paint the whole field to be like, Green. hey, guys, it's grass. Believe us. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, 1966, uh, a chem grass, real sexy name, was, <laughs> was changed to uh, AstroTurf. Not shocking, yeah, because of being installed in the Astro Dome. Okay. So, you know, there there was all these names that. So I I I um I remember well looking at the topic being an Astro Turf, and I was looking at it. And I'm like, I wonder if it's just because the turf is like, and this sounds so cheesy, but like out of this world or like a, a substance that's like yeah not real, yeah. and so like Astro kind of represented a little bit of that um but clearly it's from the astrodome it's, it's from the astrodome huh. now it's interesting you bring up this out of this world thing because when it was first installed the grounds keep keepers at the astrodome they would dress up as astronauts and use vacuum <laughs> vacuum cleaners in the middle of innings to keep the turf clean that is cool. That's yeah. a good. Uh, that's good marketing right there. That's good branding. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, hey, it's astroturf. Ooh, let's pull out some astronauts for that. Yeah. So uh, this was really that first generation of of astro or artificial grass, mm-hmm. um, and it was a a tightly curled nylon fiber woven into foam backing. 
So that's where that's when I've played on it, you know, in Martin Stadium. Now, obviously, um, you know, we had some um, evolution from that time, but I think it was more along that line where it was that foam backing on concrete. Sure. Um, and just very abrasive product there. In 1967, at Indiana State University, that was the first outdoor stadium to be to okay. have artificial turf. The uh, a year later, the Oilers became the first American football team to play on artificial grass because they moved into the Astrodome. Okay, so they were playing outdoors at at that point. And then in 1969, your hometown of uh, Pennsylvania or uh, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So University of Pennsylvania, um, Franklin Field, I yep. believe. Yeah. Um, it, this is where the first NFL stadium. Yep. Um, had the first NFL stadium to have artificial turf was Franklin Field. Huh. Because obviously, with Astrodome, it was a multi-purpose. Yeah. So. Interesting. Yeah, I remember. I I mean, I remember Franklin Field from stories i wasn't around for when yeah. i was there but um i didn't realize that was the case for the astroturf yeah also in in 69 the chicago white Sox became the first baseball team to play on astroturf outdoors okay. so everything kind of happened fairly quickly there in, yeah. in the late 60s then we get into the the 70s and and get into more of a second generation of of uh artificial turf mm-hmm. really at this point it is just astroturf yeah uh but it's more of a a shag turf okay. um so it's a polypropylene yarn um it's a little bit less abrasive and and had a more flattering appearance to people mm-hmm. the t- tufts of yarn were spread more widely apart um trying to mimic real grass okay the the playability of of some, most sports really improved on on this type of grass, uh, but sports like soccer, the ball still didn't behave like it it would on a natural grass. So mm-hmm. so you had you know mixed buy in um, at that point. The third generation came about in kind of the late eighties when we saw the introduction of field turf, um, the the company. And they were, they're obviously kind of the main competitor to AstroTurf. Yeah. And this was uh, polyethylene fibers, for those who are chemistry and really, <laughs> you know, yep. really interested in that kind of stuff, but which produced a softer blade. And this was, again, long fibers that, that um, were placed down and then they started to use an infilling. So that's when we started to see the crumb rubber, which gave a little bit more extra com- comfort and was less stress on players' joints and all that kind of stuff. So crumb rubber is really that ground-up, you know, the black beads that you might get um, yeah. when, when you know, in every part of your body when you play on yeah. an artificial or field turf place. So And that's typically made of, of ground tires, okay. which, you know, gets into a lot of some of the chemicals and issues that, that people have started to come up with. And yeah. I... You know, maybe you're going to touch on that a little bit later, but so so this was in in the '90s and in 1997, the first turf uh, to be installed in the Eng- English Premierships, Middlesbrough FC. So that 
soccer team over in England mm-hmm. was was the first turf field used for a, a soccer team specific. Okay. Let's see. This this uh, third generation also started the innovation of people using this turf as for landscaping. So you know it wasn't just a sports or recreation uh, usage. It it potentially was you know a way to save water or you know avoid having to mow your lawn or whatever it may be. You know yeah. just help help in the landscaping department as well. In two thousand two. Um, was when in here in Seattle, um, CenturyLink Field was built and they installed um, field turf. And this actually started this kind of wave of people, you know, around the NFL switching to this field turf, this softer turf, um, you know, long, long blades and uh, crumb rubber infill and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you saw a lot of other teams following, or a lot of other stadiums following that suit. And now I think um, there's something like 13 of the 32 NFL stadiums now have um, the uh, field turf in them. Oh, like involved with them? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and that number has increased a little bit, and I'll get into that a little bit with our our stats here. but, um, But it's definitely more common in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. And... You know, in 19, or excuse me, in 2015, we saw the Women's World Cup, which was played in Canada. Yeah. And that was com- played completely on artificial turf. Yeah. And there was a lot of controversy over that because they, the w- women basically said that there would be no way that they would ever put the men's uh, World Cup on just artificial turf. Because yeah. especially in soccer, you see a lot of people who will not play on artificial grass, they will only play on natural natural grass. Yeah, I, I saw a couple things about artificial turf being used at airports. Oh, uh, and what I think for? I think this is a new thing coming around that um, it would be kind of in the areas around the um, landing landing strips because you can embed lights into the astroturf, and so then you could potentially that would be your way of of actually lighting not necessarily the runway but you know how on a on runways approaches you have a bunch of lights that indicate various things whether yeah. you know yes you should be going this way or no you but should But why not. would you use ash why would you use turf for that I think it's just a a way to replace those lights you could Interesting I don't know I just saw a couple of articles Yeah no on. it's 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 odd and I'm curious if they'll start implementing it Yeah my last thing is that um, the Brady Bunch, yeah, the backyard of their uh, house yeah. that they had was AstroTurf. Oh, and I, I would venture to say that a whole bunch of sets, um, whether it's probably not AstroTurf, but um, some level of turf is used for that because it just it just looks better, yeah. right? Like um, from a filming perspective, so that's that's cool. Um, so I typically will jump into the stats, and I, I have a couple that I wanted to jump into. Um, the one, uh, the one that really jumped out, <coughs> or that I was curious to find out more, was on injuries, and uh, I really was hoping to find out if there was more injuries on uh, when you play sports or when you're using turf. Is there 
higher likelihood to get injuries um, than if you're playing on real grass. And unfortunately, there is about 100 different reports on this, and they all are conflicting. Uh, that's the one thing that I learned. That depending on what it is, it's uh, it's very different. I know that there was a recent study that had uh, that was on NFL teams in uh, I think they did it over like 1,600 games or something like that, and they noticed that there was higher leg injuries mm-hmm. uh, because of it. But one of the things that that I I saw, and this is pretty common if you play sports, I think, or at least certainly in professional sports, I know this is pretty common. I, I, I imagine it's a little bit less common when you get into like high school and whatnot. But if you're jumping from field to field, whether you're playing baseball or football or soccer uh, or football, um, any of these scenarios, you should be switching your cleats around to accommodate for that. Um, and it's, you know, I, I don't know if the Rangers did that for when they went to Arizona or not, mm-hmm. um, but I would venture to say that that is something that is it causes people to get hurt because they don't have the proper equipment. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, the, the other thing that I wanted to look into is just the, the cost. Uh, so the average synthetic turf field can cost anywhere from 850 to $1 million uh, to implement. Um, that obviously can, can go upwards. And, and with technology changing, there's a lot of different types if you're getting the highest quality kind of field, um, there's so many brands out there now, um, as you started to talk about, that just make different types. Um, it's a pretty competitive market, it seems. Uh, but because of the, the materials that uh, are used and they tend to wear over time, they need to be replaced about 8 to 10 years or every 8 to 10 years. Yeah. Um, and that cost ends up being around $500,000. So. You know, some of the the debates, even just from a, a budgeting standpoint, if you're a team that's looking at making this change for a field, a uh, high school field or a professional field or whatever it is, you know, th- there are there are cost savings um, at times because you don't have to water the field, you don't have to take care of it in that way. Um, but the initial investment and then the the wear and tear changes that you need to make every every eight to ten years, it can add up. Yeah, it's interesting for. From the perspective of like a city or, you know, a recreation department that has to maintain these or replace them or whatever it is, you know, from a city perspective who may not have the the funds or the the financial revenue stream that a sports team uh, might have, it it brings an interesting question in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the other thing, we you, you touched on this, Brian, a little bit, but I did some research into some of the professional leagues, uh, at least in uh, the United States, that use turf. Mm-hmm. Um, so 44% of the NFL teams play their games on turf, and that number uh, should grow to about 53%. So it will become uh, 17 teams. Uh, more than half of the NFL will be on turf in the next couple of years because I think there's a couple of new teams or new stadiums that are getting built. So LA, um, yeah. uh, the chargers and then the, um, the Raiders right. will, in Vegas will have it. So really I, I would say <clears throat> that's pretty high, very different on the, on the other front for the MLB. Only three teams have turf. So we talked about the Arizona diamondbacks, mm-hmm. uh, the Tampa Bay rays and, uh, the Toronto blue Jays, um, are the only three teams in the MLB to, 
to have that. And again, wow. I'd yeah, ima- I didn't think about that. I'd imagine that, you know, if it's the NFL, players, I, I would presume, are prepared with, you know, every type of cleat that for every different environment and whatnot. But for teams like in the MLB, um, I would imagine it's a little bit tougher if, if 95% of the teams that you play don't have the challenge, then you're like, oh, I got to get have to have cleats just for this one time when I play this one team. Yeah. It's probably a little bit more challenging. I, I, I assume brings more complaints from other yeah, teams. Yeah, I'd be, I'd be even interested to see from a perspective of like minor league teams, how, mm-hmm. how many are there, you know, as you're going up through the farm system, sure. how often I want to say that the Aqua Sox in Everett, uh, I think I saw that they just switched over to artificial. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah, we'll look at that. But the uh, on the MLS side of things, um, so this is Major League Soccer for those not from this country, there's 24 stadiums that are used, and six of the teams have synthetic turf. So those – I thought there's a couple interesting things. So Atlanta, New England, and Seattle, so our stadium mm-hmm. out here, um, which are all NFL stadiums, so – higher likelihood to have turf there because it's 50-50 at least. And the others are Vancouver, Portland, and then now uh, the new team, which is Cincinnati. And interesting one that three of the Pacific Northwest, um, you know, cities, if you would, uh, they Vancouver, Portland, and Seattle all have synthetic turf, which I think could be a, a representative of potentially the weather. Um, and what we see out here is just a little bit quirky, but it's probably a, a number of other factors. Um, but I also thought it was kind of interesting. So three of the last four champions of the MLS had turf fields. So, like, played oh, yeah. regularly on, on turf fields. So I believe that was Portland, Seattle, and Atlanta, and not in that order. But um, those I think le- you had it in the right order, though. Potentially, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting um, that teams that play on turf in the MLS tend to see more success, at least recently. I I will add, I think, let me, I'm trying to trying to quickly read this story, but uh, Minnesota United just opened up their stadium. And oh, did they? I think they are on, I mean, they're in Minnesota. Okay. Yeah. Well, but they have, yeah, they have the new stadium there. Uh no, they don't. They don't play at US Bank. They, oh, they don't. Uh, oh, uh, Elise Stadium. Elise, uh, okay, Alliance maybe. Alliance sounds about right. Uh, mm-hmm. I just can't see if they are which one they're on. We'll okay. find that later. Yeah, we'll, Aqua we'll Sox, correct. Aqua Sox are go- switching over to a artificial turf. In, yeah. In conjunction with uh, Everett Public Schools, I think is is one of the main. Not main reasons why they're switching over, but um, it's it's beneficial for both the Aqua Sox, who is the minor league baseball team for for the Mariners, um, and it sounds like the Everett School District also uses that stadium as well. So yeah, cool. Well, let's uh, we we've kind of shared some some stuff with you guys, and I think now it's time for a friendly little uh, friendship test. This is our turf. We got some yardage. So, Brian, what is your thoughts, just in general, are you more of a natural or an artificial guy for sports? Because this is 
this is as as I did more research and being a sports fan myself, this is a pretty heated debate, and I don't think we'll have one here. But a lot of people are passionate about what their teams play with, and a lot of players are really passionate about what they play on. So I'm curious what your thoughts are if you have a preference for sports. For sports, I mean, I I kind of like the artificial. Okay. I will say I like the the it's a little bit more consistent footing. Now, here's the thing: when when we're talking about our level of sports and like a recreational level, I would say you're getting you're playing on fields that are sometimes not very well kept sure. and yeah. flat, and there's a lot of issues that you might run into mm-hmm. with footing and all of that kind of stuff. So from a play consistency standpoint, I do like that about artificial turf at our level mm-hmm. because it's just like, it's easy to know, okay, like if I'm going to try to make this cut, I know my foot's going to stay in the ground yeah. fairly well as opposed to trying to make a cut on grass that maybe there's a little hump right there because it's a city field and whatnot. So that's yep. kind of my thought process. Yeah, so uh, for me, I would probably say I'm more of a, a natural person for sports. Uh, I, most of my career playing you know, sports, which was not very long-lived, but for the up until about high school, uh, most of that was on natural. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. So artificial, I have played and done things on artificial and there there's certainly benefits to it I, I think the reliability is certainly key um i think know. we've played a turkey bowl or two together yeah yeah on we a have marsh artificial yeah that was artificial which uh which is great because i've also i have played many a turkey bowls uh on a uh, real field that has been completely destroyed or uh like just muddy mess or snowy or whatever it is so I do like the reliability of it, but at the same time, um, you know, there it just feels I don't know. There's something about the natural grass, and and that um, I wouldn't necessarily fight someone over it or argue over it. It's kind of everybody's preference, if if you would. But yeah, for sure. Um, but I kind of like natural. The, the one thing that we didn't get into, but uh, the w- one of the things with turf is that it actually can uh, get pretty hot. Um, So I think the average uh, field, and obviously depending on the location is a big factor, but, um, you know, if if a field was about like 75 degrees, if it was 75 degrees out on the field, it actually can, I think it's up to upwards of 40% increase in temperature Mm -hmm. uh, for turf fields. So it could feel like it's 110 degrees out. So it's, I used to play a lot of summer football, um, especially just pickup games too. And if I was playing that on turf, like that would be pretty rough. So I I, I think because of that and some other factors, I'm I'm more of a natural guy. So would you rather play a game on a super hot field or a completely downpour, like sloppy mess of a natural grass? Because I'm not a professional <laughs> or or uh, even play all that much anymore, I welcome the sloppiness. I do. I just think it just leads to more fun. You know, it's exhausting, um, definitely more exhausting. But 
I like the the natural elements playing a factor into the result of the game. Okay. Yeah. Right. What about you? Do you? Uh, I mean, I I probably am the same boat. Uh, okay. I, I have played a few hot games on turf. Yeah. At Martin Stadium. And, yeah. And it's not enjoyable. Yeah. Hot is just it just takes everything out of you. Yeah, especially especially on that older turf. That yeah. you know, the newer turf's a little bit better. Yeah. The long strands and, and crumb rubber help a little bit. Like the crumb rubber becomes the hot parts of the, the turf as opposed to it used to be like every blade of grass was super hot and mm-hmm. you would slide and it, you'd have you know raspberries all down your leg because you were trying to slide. So yeah. Um, what about uh, what about golf? Yeah. So so I was actually really curious to to I want to hear your opinion yeah. first because you're a big golfer. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy golf, but I wouldn't. I, I'm not to your level. Um, being an avid golfer, do you think golf should be played on artificial turf? You know that's it's an interesting question because you know from a maintenance standpoint mm-hmm. and a playability standpoint it would it wouldn't be too terrible and like water conservation I know that's one thing that people mm-hmm. hate about golf courses is that yep. they take up so much water. Yep. I I mean it's like a purist type of thing that you need to play on turf. And like when it comes to hitting ball, golf balls on the driving range, I hate hitting off of the mats, which is sure. basically ast- yeah. AstroTurf. Now there are longer strand, um, you know, mats that, that are more consistent with that kind of field turf, mm-hmm. um, generation three artificial grass. That's okay. I, I'm okay with some of those and hitting off of those. But it just hurts to hit off of an astroturf mat all the time because you're it's basically maybe an inch of of turf mat rubber yeah and, and then it's straight to the concrete and so that's where it becomes rough. It, it's interesting we we you know you you put this question in here mm-hmm. because one of my my favorite backyards um, which which we'll get into in a second yeah. is is a uh, astroturf golf course like backyard yeah interesting yeah no i i have uh i have not heard of any golf courses that were um astroturf and that's why i was like curious you know it seems like it aligns right like it's a ton of field and i was curious to see um if it actually existed out there. Cause I was like, Oh, that'd be cool if there was someone nearby or whatever. There was only one that I found that was in Australia. Oh, Australia. Interesting. I was going to, th- I was thinking, uh, Japan might have one. Okay. Yeah. That, that actually might make sense too, but I didn't see any there at least. Um, there was one notable one that was in, um, it was of course at Zilly Bay on Capricorn coast, which was in Australia was the world's first 18-hole synthetic golf course. And weirdly enough, uh, so they opened it up, and it could have been for a variety of different reasons, not necessarily just the golf. Um, the place closed down pretty shortly after. 
But and and it could have been again for a number of reasons. But I would venture to say, and this is where I kind of I'm I found myself during my research, is that I would say it's it's not for golf until they've mastered it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you and they say there there's some really good turf out there that it looks almost identical to real grass. But until they've mastered that, like truly mastered it for golf at least. I would say it's it's kind of forbidden. Um, there, you mentioned that the water savings. Mm-hmm. Um, so I looked that up too. So an average golf course um, has to spend about three hundred thousand gallons of of water to maintain um, a golf course, Yikes. which is um, make me feel good. Yeah, yeah, all for you, Brian. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's daily. And that's the same amount of water as a family in the U.S. Um, over an entire decade. So it's it's a lot for us for that leisure activity. Yikes! Um, to we're getting rid of a lot of water, and so that's one of the nice things with the turf is that you don't have to water it, right? Like you're saving all of that, not only from a cost but an environmental uh, cost there. So, so yeah, I I personally I would be curious as. Almost as a gimmick, if you would, um, I'd be curious to try one out, see how it would feel mm-hmm. playing on a course like that. But I wouldn't want that to be the norm. And and I also think golf is a traditional thing. It's one of those sports that you know, in some ways, like baseball, um, where it's pretty rare to find turf. I think it's a very old traditional sport that you don't want to touch. I mean, it's like you you have mini golf courses that are always. Yeah, you, you actually very rarely find a sure miniature golf or putt. Yeah, putt and that's, course. that's fun, but yeah. that doesn't feel real. Like yeah. it's it's very fake. So I I just I wasn't a huge fan of it. It was interesting. Again, I'd love to see a course like that, but I I would only want to play it once. I think. So for your yard, we I, I touched on this just a second ago, mm-hmm. but if you had your ideal, would it be artificial, natural grass, or no grass at all, no artificial, but it like one of those kind of limited water, lots of plants, rocks. Yeah, I mean, as a homeowner, um, I will say that maintenance can sometimes add up. But I've also, what was it? When I, my, um, f- my father's um, wife, um, her, their family, without getting into all the details, um, they had a beach house that essentially had a stone all in the back mm-hmm. and uh but it also had a uh, pine tree and so it was a freaking nightmare to clean up pine cones, pine cones yeah from the rocks and the pine needles all yeah. up it was just it was awful and i think it would have been much better with a yard and i i just i mean that's hmm. partially because of the tree but the the rocks is i just don't like that style and i like how a, a manicured lawn looks so um i would probably say a natural just again I don't, i'm not a huge fan of how the artificial looks but i'm curious your take well okay so if i had my ideal okay i already mentioned this earlier but but the miniature golf course that's artificial in my backyard <laughs> I, what i want you to do right now everybody yeah look up look up putt tech so p-u-t-t capital t ek okay tech this company creates the most lavish backyards we uh the masters was just last weekend 
and what? and they have a couple of designs where it's literally they recreated the Masters, you know, Augusta National Golf Course. That is so cool. That's next level, Brian. I I I'll change my mind if I can have that in my backyard. Yeah, that's my that's my uh, uh, your dream. dream. Yeah, yeah. So. I'm. I would totally go with artificial if I could do that. That would yeah. be the only way I would go artificial is if I. If I mean, you could have a course, even even back. if it's just you know a putting green and, and yeah. you know a little bit a couple holes there. That that's when I would switch my uh, backyard to. Yeah, to be that's fair. Artificial. I could do that. You couldn't have that in your front yard though. No, that would be a little weird looking. Th- that but. would be a little. I mean, unless you wanted to hit like flop shots over top of Ooh, your house, to, that would be it. <laughs> the the better ol- be good. Only thing that would ever keep me from doing this is resale value. I feel like you then limit the amount of people oh, who would definitely be interested. <laughs> but here's the thing: how great would would parties be? Because you can just oh, it'd be amazing. You could hang out in your backyard. I would and, be like, over your house every weekend. Yeah. You play in your mini golf course in your backyard. <laughs> but yeah, so with the Masters. I, this always remind, reminds me because I found this one year in the ma- during yeah. the Masters, and it's just amazing yeah. what, what this company can do. So check them out, Putt Tech. If, if if you create that in your backyard, I will be your friend. <laughs> well, um, you know, it's about that time, and we we're, we're starting about to dream a little um, with with some backyard yeah. fun. But fifty five minutes. We're kind of back to our normal of fifty-seven. So. Oh, nice, nice. Well, let's let's just jump right into our uh, delusional thinking. Get off my lawn! Can you name that movie? No character. Or actor? Can you can you play it one more time? Get off my lawn! I have no idea. Gran Torino. Oh, okay. Yeah, I can hear that. Yeah. Well, this week's topic, as related to our our artificial turf and and how that affects your life, uh, your personal life and housing and all that, we're both homeowners here. So, would you rather never mow your lawn, or or never have to mow your lawn again, or never have to vacuum in your house? Yeah, I uh, I don't know how. If this is a tough one for you, but it it's a tough one for me. Is it? Yeah. This is a clear winner for me. Really? Yeah. I I enjoy mowing my lawn. Okay. I don't really enjoy vacuuming. Okay. So then, what's your debate? Uh, well, because it takes a lot more work to mow my lawn than it sure. does to to vacuum. Like from a vacuuming perspective, like I can vacuum and kind of. You can kind of, you know, skimp on the vacuuming. Like you can go around and you know not move chairs and thing yeah. like that, and nobody notices, right? You yeah. could never do that. My for... wife notices. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have that much carpet in your house. Not anymore, but we used to have some more. So yeah. Uh, but so it would be because you can't do that when you're mowing the lawn. Like True. you cannot miss a spot in the no. lawn. Like if you were to say, uh, I'm gonna leave that corner, yeah. Like, and and that's just gonna grow by itself, you know, <laughs> and, and be taller than the rest of the stuff. Yep. For until I mow, just doesn't work. So there's like this dichotomy of like, you know, vacuuming is easier, 
I should probably do it a lot more than I I do, but I enjoy mowing my lawn. So I think I'm going to have to go with vacuuming and and never having to vacuum again because like that's something that I always see. Yeah. And always have to staircases. Staircases are the worst to vacuum. <laughs> that's true. That's true. I guess I don't have I don't have stairs right now, so that's that's kind of a little bit of a nightmare, especially if they're carpeted stairs. That's kind of a, I mean, with yeah, that's a little bit tough. Animals make it all worse too. It does. Um, oh man. Yeah. So that that's also, troublesome. I, and I don't know. I mean, I didn't even specify this with this delusional thinking, but vacuuming, you know, like couches, horrible. And that's included in this, right? Yeah, that's. Yeah. I guess this would. This yeah. would. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I feel like if you do vacuuming right, depending on your yard, how big your yard is, and all that, I think it could be about equal. Um, and uh, so I, and I actually am very similar to you, uh, surprisingly, maybe, um, in that. I would uh, I actually enjoy vacuuming. I might have mentioned this in an earlier podcast, but I actually use that time. Um, I will put my headphones on and I'll listen to an audiobook or whatever. And it's just like if it's nice weather out too, it's kind of you know, it's just kind of remove yourself kind of thoughtless kind of motion. Mm-hmm. And uh, for um, for vacuuming, it's it's not. It's just it's very. I don't know. And it's super – I mean, I don't know. I don't put headphones on when I'm doing – when I'm vacuuming. So it's like a just loud noise and then you're like pushing it around and trying to get into the corners, move things around if you want to do it right. The vacuuming the couch is, is pretty awful. Um, stairs, which I don't have, I imagine are pretty awful. I used to have to do that at my mom's place. Um, so, you know, I, I just think I would rather never have to vacuum again than um, – and I I will stick with my um, mower now. Are you a are you a push mower? Yeah. Okay, I am too. Um, when I was growing up, I I was a riding lawnmower because we had about three acres. Yeah. And there's no way you're gonna the ni- the nice thing is um, while not perfect is that this isn't that obscure because vacuuming with like Roombas and all of that true. is actually we like, talked about technologies it. out yeah and smart homes like. This is something that's there and and um, smart homes episode three. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I I just think it's I would much rather just keep my outside time and um, you know, yeah. If I got a bigger house and I had a bigger yard, then my answer might change. Yeah. But right now I'm okay with it. True. Well, um, it's it's been a another fun one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. We, we always talk about this, especially for our quote-unquote mundane episodes that we like to mix in. We always question, like, there's no way we're going to get to an hour. And, you know, here we are, and we're, we've been talking about astroturf and artificial grass for an hour. Why are you here? Why are you listening to this, people? Um, but, great, no, seriously, we're – Great point. Great point. <laughs> we, if you made it through – um, I cannot wait until if, if this becomes like one of our bigger episodes, <laughs> like we find this niche of yep. like, man, if we have to become a field uh, astroturf specific podcast just because our I mean, fans want that, I, 
I don't know if I could do that. We didn't even anything. talk about the brands and and uh, I, all of well, that. We might have to if everybody loves. I mean, it. like BC Place up in Vancouver mm-hmm. has their crumb rubber is is uh, like a, a dirt like a brown color. Sure. Yeah. And it just like throws people off because it just the field looks completely different yeah. than any other. Like we didn't even get into you know. There's going so into much there. We should have another podcast on. Yeah. <laughs> 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 We'll put that on hold. We'll yeah, wait for the next hundred for that let's one. Let's have the music come up higher <laughs> and higher. Well, uh, thanks again for for following us along, and and as always, we want you to follow us, give us your comments, you know, let us know where you're listening from, all of that kind of stuff. If you've made it this far and are still listening to our our rant here. <laughs> How can they follow us, Justin? Well, they can follow us on Facebook at Quest for 100 Podcast, as well as on Twitter. And uh, please, please subscribe to us on uh, Apple and Google Podcasts. Twitter, I think we're the Quest for 100. I believe so, yeah. Because somebody took Quest for 100. Yeah. Dang those yeah. people. Darn but, but yeah, so so I'm slowly slowly catching. I want to post every single episode that we've done. Yeah. And then once we catch back up, then I'll we'll start to to be a little bit more consistent with yeah. our, our tweets and and have yeah. some conversations. So thanks again for uh, listening to the Quest for One Hundred.